I ran into a snag with an automation today. Thanks to these little itty bitty batteries that I just can't seem to find a replacement for online. We're gonna go see if Radio Shack has what we need. Hi. Wow, I love your ink. Is that Johnny Five? Yeah. Can you tell me what these batteries are? Can't find them online and I really need to find a replacement. This looks like a B1200, 130 milliamp hour. Is that? Chad? What are you doing here? I lost my remote. Actually, a bunch of... Wow. I love your ink. Is that Johnny Five? Yeah, actually, I got it a few years ago. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So I lost my remote. I actually lost a bunch of remotes. I got a lamp that came with a remote. Can't find it. Got some LED lights that are completely out of control. Frustrating. My robot vacuum, without the remote, I have to actually hold the buttons down on the vacuum to drive it around. It sounds fun, but frustrating. And I got this fish tank pump. It's stuck in self-cleaning mode. Woke me up last night when it sucked up a plant. So Jason, I ran into these same issues. Even the fish tank? Even the fish tank. And I've got a fix I think you'll like. That would be great. Like, right now? Let's do it. Okay, bye. Do you still live behind the Circuit City? Wait, what about my batteries? I'm Jason. I'm Chad. Welcome to Automation Town, where regular people try to automate the problems we all share. Jason, on some of these shows, we build things that we use. Sometimes we don't. But today, something I actually built and bought because it solved a real problem. That problem, I always lose remotes. Mm. Getting a replacement is annoying and sometimes impossible. Like those old air conditioner ones that you get that are floor models and cost 40 bucks just to buy one. I'm talking about real life here. You got floor model air conditioners with $40 remotes? When you live in an RV, yes, you do. I don't. So here's <laughs> this is like it is part of the human experience losing the remote. Uh, we all grew up being chastised for losing the remote, remotes down cushions reaching between said cushions, scratching your wrist. That's just something that we've all gone through, but it's getting worse, isn't it? Because all these little microelectronic things that we buy all ship with these little remotes. I'm pretty sure there's a new like standard 50 cent remote that comes in several form factors that comes with like every single LED light that you buy now. The remote problem is just getting worse. Every remote seems to have a different battery. Yeah, all these fiddly little batteries, they all take different batteries. So now I've got like this arsenal of all of these different like little button batteries and none of them seem to work and you can't get rechargeable ones and it's just a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So the first problem is that most of these remotes, if we're thinking about it from you know home automation standpoint, is that they're not connected to the internet. They're non-connected remotes. Think the lamp that you bought do lamps have remotes? I think some do. Dehumidifiers, fans, ceiling fans, bedroom ceiling fans. Let's go through the list of everything that has a remote. Sounds very, very good use of time. TV, VCR. Blu-ray. Blu-ray players. Soundbars. Oh, we're not doing this. Back to this. I remember a time when we went to Costco to buy a ceiling fan just because it was connected to the internet. What? How long ago was this? Years ago. But it was more expensive. 
probably $150 more. You did that because you just didn't know how to take something that wasn't connected and put it onto you know, that protocol, that hub, that thing that we're using now for, for all of our home automations. So if the first problem is that a lot of the remotes and the devices that we use aren't connected to the internet, there's also a secondary problem, which is that the smart devices that we do buy all come with different protocols, different hubs that they work with. It's a mess to manage them all. And you've got things like Zigbee mm-hmm. and Harmony Hub. Do you know any of the other ones? No. Homey. Z-Wave. Smart things. Yeah, smart things for Samsung or HomeKit. And now there's this overarching platform called Matter, which is essentially combining all of these other hubs into one massive a hub of hubs a hub of hubs and it's just getting confusing and complicated and that's not a world that we're trying to put ourselves into so it's expensive it's confusing but wait jason there's more this problem hit home with me i literally lose remotes in this trailer (laughs) you wouldn't know where it's hilarious how many square feet is your trailer 350 square feet or less okay but it's a real thing. It's like you can't sometimes turn on the soundbar because you either didn't connect it to the smart thing or I think there's an ice cream truck driving by. What is this life? Okay. So I hear it. Yeah. It put me on this path of, well, how do you fix this? If things can't be connected to certain hubs or the internet, and the ones that you can connect require different hubs, they work with different places. Like, what are your options? Yep. So today we're talking about a very old school approach to a new school problem. Let's make those old non-connected remotes connected. Okay, so can I give you my framework for remote recovery? Mm -hmm. So my first job was at Best Buy. I was 16 years old. And you remember those Logitech Harmony Universal Remotes? And they had like- The ones with the nice blue screens. Oh, they had like several tiers and the really fancy one had its own screen. And that was just the cool thing to have. So my framework is, it seems like the solution here is somehow remote reduction. So is there a way to reduce the number of remotes in your life and somehow consolidate those? That doesn't solve the problem of still losing that remote. I was in a sharper image maybe 15 years ago and they had a remote control that was about four feet long and two and a half feet across. And that was one of the smartest things I'd ever seen because it was so big that it seems impossible to lose. It's bigger than the gap in the cushion then, right? It's an incredible solution to a horrible problem. Jimungus buttons. So you just watch TV, you sit that thing in your lap, probably doubles as a TV tray. <laughs> so that's one solution. I don't know if that's what you have in mind in terms of ways to solve this problem, good grief, I don't know, because how are you gonna connect all those fiddly little different things to some sort of like universal system? Uh, otherwise, I'm like taping air tags to the back of all these things or those little you know, Bluetooth things, but then you've just got this really janky remote with a thing stuck to the back. That's the best I've got. Your four foot long remote is definitely an old school solution to a new school problem. I'll be the judge of whether it's better than your new school solution though, all right, Davis? <laughs> okay, good, okay, good. You reminded me of 
like what we're probably all thinking like why not just use the logitech remotes why not just use something on your phone why not you you know just do the thing and it's very straightforward a lot of these things are hard and you mentioned working at best buys so you probably help support a lot of people in their purchasing but also in, in their life trying to make something work the same is for me and my family i feel like every time you know i go home there's a new remote or a universal remote that needs to get coded to the tv and you're searching online for the the codes and when you find them you feel like you've won the lottery because you've actually connected some box to some random universal remote that came with the tv yep and you're just like is this really what we're dealing with even if you do connect them when you hit the power button one of them turns on and the other turns off and then you hit it again and the one <laughs> turns on and the other one turns off <laughs> we'll live this that's this, the best this case scenario that's right so what is the solution that we're going to go through today there is a product called the broadlink rm4 pro and the broadlink rm4 pro is a 45 dollar purchase on amazon in united states dollars that does a few things very well the first is that it works off of two different types of old school remotes You've got the old infrared ones with the bulbs that you point right at the thing. And you've got the radio frequency, the stuff that can go through walls that doesn't need a direct thing. Mm -hmm. Think of garage door openers that can act a little bit further away. That's what they used in the COVID vaccines, right? <laughs> and here's what we got. Humidity and temp sensors inside of this device through the cable, which is really cool. And it also comes with built-in Alexa, Google, and IFTTT. So... On the surface, programming this device is putting it into a setup mode, taking your old school remote and pointing the button at it. And you can either set it from a library of user and company controlled you know, schematics. So like a preset list of common things mm -hmm. that you can choose from, okay. Or you program it exactly how you want it. And that's what I liked. So I could take a remote and did this the other day, picked the buttons off the TV remote that we use the most, and then just set those up instead of having to go through and set up every single one. What were those buttons? Input, left, right, up. You don't have to go through the buttons. <laughs> so th I'm looking at this thing on Amazon. It's like a little square. I don't know, just what you'd think of as being like a little smart home hub thing. Do you have one of these? Yeah, so I bought this one. And because it has to be within radio frequency or infrared range of the devices you want. Believe it or not, there are multiple rooms in this RV. So I wanted to control things in different rooms. So I bought its other mini version called the RM4 Mini. And that was only 25 bucks. So that's like a, like a booster or? It's like a simpler one. So if you have a specific use case like I do, where there's a fan in the bathroom that only works off of the old bulb infrareds, you can essentially spend 25 bucks to control your fan from the internet in the bathroom of your RV. So I can turn my bathroom fan on and off from my phone now? And from Alexa. And from Alexa and IFTT, so I can build automations for my bathroom fan. Is that where this is going? <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. You can put some sensors in there too. Every tamale night, automatically <laughs> turn the bathroom fan on 30 minutes later. Look at the meal prep ingredients list off of your Notion page sure. and preemptively set the fan once you walk in the door. So anyway, that was that's it. So I, I kind of love that it was small. It looks kind of sleek. It comes with a mount for your wall 
so you can put this wherever you want. It was kind of funny as I was setting it up, I connected it up to, let me show you, Jason, through the podcast, a little power bank and walked around the house with it plugged in through the USB key, you know, setting up all these devices. Uh And now if I were, you know, just to go through Alexa and tell it to turn on or off or mute or go to a specific channel, uh, we did. So this thing always has to be plugged into power, right? That's how you could use the power bank when you're, Mm -hmm. you could be untethered and run around with it while you set things up. Yeah. So I'll tell you all the things that I built uh, and then go through the setup process a little bit. And it's very straightforward. So we have some infrared DC powered fans and they needed to be close. Uh, So that's where we put the device. It's an old standard remote, you know, the ones that you would not be able to find the codes for anywhere. But when you you go through the setup process and click the button and point it at it during the setup process, it finds the code and it reads it and it now can you know work your fan set it up to work with the soundbar with the tv and with the fan in the other area of the rv so you said that like you don't want to say the name of the room it's the bathroom I don't know. oh okay <laughs> the, the other area <laughs> the other area yeah there's an office here but yeah but but testing it was really fast and i was really surprised at like how quickly it identified the rf and the uh, infrared codes it just it just worked there wasn't a single remote that didn't work so a few episodes back we did a we did a thing where you set up like a stop go light led lights you could put over your doorway when you were on zoom calls and stuff like that did that come with a little remote it did but it also was connected to alexa so there's no need to use the remote technology for that because it's already connected through wi-fi so the app that you use with this hub use that led light as an example would you connect that through this so that you could also control it from that same app no i think in that circumstance, the only reason I would do it is if I wanted a custom scenario to run through the Broadlink app. Like a sequence of several things? Yeah, a sequence. Okay. But here, because it's already connected to Alexa through that other episode that we did, it's not necessary. We can do all the sequencing inside of Alexa if we need to that way. Right. But this means that you can now buy cheaper LED lights that aren't Wi-Fi connected and have those janky 50 cent remotes and now hook them up to Alexa without having to buy the the Wi-Fi powered ones. That's true because you had to spring for an Alexa one. Mm -hmm. And since this has an IFTTT integration, theoretically, if you had one without that Alexa capability, you could set up all the same connections for it. 100%. As long as it was in range with these devices. Okay. What sort of range have you tested that range? Like what's, what's your experience been with that? Well, um, the mini one is, sorry, Canadian, so I think in, in meters. It's like six to eight meters. Can you do the conversion there? It's about a quarter mile, right? <laughs> yeah, it's about 20 feet. Okay. At its minimum, it's about 20 feet. And the maximum, depend if you got the bigger device, it's about 30 feet. So 10 to 30 feet. But it, remember, if it's infrared and it needs those bulbs, it's the same as a remote. You have to point it right at it. Okay. So you're shooting infrared all wherever that hub is. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So if you're using an infrared or remote, I'm just thinking of this in like terms of like old timey TV where it had to be in range. Mm-hmm. You got to think about where you position it. Interesting. So in some ways, it's not like a traditional smart home hub that's just Wi-Fi connected, right? And it's coordinating all those things over Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. It's doing both basically. So you got to be mindful of where you set that up relative to anything that's going to be reliant on infrared. That's right. This is really when you don't have something that you can connect to the internet, this is the option. And there's other things like we talked about with the Harmony Hubs and things that are trying to make this work. Zigbee, they just don't work sometimes. And it sometimes has to do with the, the frequency 
in which the devices can actually run on because sometimes they have single chips and those single chips may only work for european stuff or parts of north america but you know maybe your garage door opener doesn't run on the same frequency as your home automation stuff does and that's very common there's two frequencies one's the 315 and one's the 433 and the 433 is all home automation stuff but garage door openers they are 100 percent well I could say 100%, but they're mostly the sort of longer range, 315 megahertz type of frequency, which allows them to, you know, go a lot longer distance. What are the scenarios where you're still reliant on infrared? Did you say the that fan was? Do TVs today even use infrared still? Yeah, the TV that I hooked up to in the in the RV here is an infrared bulb. Because like right now, if I control my TV, I don't think I have to be pointing at it. Could be within range too. Does your TV just suck? Is it a TV specific thing? Yeah, it's, it's not the smartest smart TV. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's a bulb. So there are cons to this. Hmm. And as I was going through this, it was really clear that you know this is meant to make non-connected devices connected. Yeah. So when I was trying to connect it, I realized that one downfall of this broadlink piece is that if you said, Alexa, turn the channel to 204 or turn it to CBS or something, you actually can't use the connection that you created the first time when you were creating all of the learning within the buttons. That would be one connection. So say the TV is to turn on and off is one. Mm -hmm. But to move it to a different channel, you'd have to set up a separate device called TV2 or something. Mm. And then that channel selector would be the only thing that you could set up in that setup process. And then that's what Alexa would use based on the name. So if you're really into the Alexa, Google Home Assistant, that kind of stuff, Apple, you're going to want to have multiple of these set up. But if you want to use the app to do it, then you can just have the one connection. So that's a really annoying piece of this. Yeah. So in the app, all of those sub controls are nested within the option for like the remote, right? That's right. But if you're going to run something through Alexa, each of those kind of endpoints or destinations are kind of separate sequences that are... It's like separate devices. Do you have to set up separately anything you want to work with Alexa as its own standalone thing? Yeah, I think the less smart the device, the more you need. So for example, like a dehumidifier. Uh, we have one here. And when you set it up, you can set it up to go on or off. But to switch the fan mode from on and off, I had to create a separate dehumidifier unit and then call it a different name. Interesting. I just called the dehumidifier fan or something like that. Hmm. There's a couple other cons to this setup is that um, these devices work, or this device specifically only works on the lower 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi network. So a lot of the new stuff that you're pushing out at 5 gigahertz on like mesh systems that you want to go super fast with, if you don't turn the 2.4 on, it won't connect. Hmm. It also doesn't have Bluetooth. So if you're used to like Bluetooth connections in lights or in something else, it doesn't connect to this. So think of it as super, super analog in terms of the remotes. And if you're also thinking, hey, I also lose that little security dongle from my home security system, you know, I really would like that to be part of this as well. They've already thought through that. And because they use what's called radio frequency or RF rolling codes, it's not smart enough to understand the tech for identifying those rolling codes and using them in some sort of automation. Probably for the best. Probably for the best. I'm noticing a trend with these episodes. The stuff that we're doing is like, here's how to automate that last thing that doesn't fit into the other automation frameworks, right? Mm -hmm. Because the frameworks are getting better and that's getting easier over time. 
the things that work aren't where we're sinking our time into and what gives us headaches. It's all the leftover crap, like sending faxes and the old timey remote. And like, it's all of the, how do I do the last, hopefully it's only the last mile. Sometimes it feels like it's the last 80%, but it's how to stitch together all the remaining janky bits that there isn't already a solid framework for. I agree completely with you. And maybe the reason why we think about them is because they are the last things that bother us or take up real estate in our mind. Yeah. Speaking about actually using this, there's a couple of use cases that might be worth sharing. I was thinking because this is connected into IFTTT, I don't personally have a home on Google Maps because of the way that we travel. Because you're homeless, yes. Mm -hmm. If you did want to you know, set a parameter of a place that you're around home and you're constantly coming back and forth to, you could set up an automation that says when you're entering that parameter, you could start a sequence or turn on a bunch of stuff. So the connections would be between Google Maps and IFTTT, and you wouldn't even have to use Zapier or Integromat or any of the other stuff. It would just be a straight connection with that. We did an episode on IFTTT a while ago, and there's some pricing and stuff about that, but uh, you know, when it works, it's good. Sure. The other thing you could do is use the built-in temperature sensor. So if you've hooked up your floor model AC or some type of air conditioning unit or heat pump, um, I know a lot of the heat pumps now are connected to Wi-Fi and smart stuff, but some older ones aren't. And depending on the time of day, maybe you turn the AC on if it's a few hours before you're coming home and the temperature is you know, above X. Maybe you have some shades that are on some motors, watch the temperature and close the shades or something like that if it's a particularly hot day, but it wasn't when you left. Oh, Chad, I've got that. There's a lot of remote control blinds but not like smart connected blinds or very only specific ecosystem connected smart blinds. And it drives me nuts. Sounds like you're going to buy the Broadlink. I'll be honest. I don't have another way to automate my, uh, my bathroom fan at the moment. So I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely strongly considering it. You're on board. We talked about, you know, changing specific channels on analog TVs like this that aren't already connected to some sort of app. But again, I just like the idea that now you can include non-connected devices in your sequences for home automation. And it's kind of exciting that you can do it for 45 bucks and a little time. Okay, let's round this out with some feedback here on uh, how do I feel about this? Is it something I'm gonna use? Paul, go ahead and roll the feedback jingle. What's the feedback jingle? Paul, I don't know, Paul will make it up. Feedback time, feedback time, feedback time. Things that I don't like about this, uh, the remote's not big enough. I can still lose my phone. In 2022, is your phone the new universal remote that you lose? <laughs> Just think about it. You don't have to give me an answer now. What do I like about it? I love connecting dumb things. Honestly, I find myself coming back to this again and again. I really enjoy making unconnected things work with everything else that I do. And so like, I'm a heavy Zapier user and a heavy Make user. And a few episodes back, we figured out how to bridge IFTT to Zapier and Make. And I just love the idea of more things in my life being able to be part of that whole ecosystem, I think is what I love most about this, is this unlocks all those otherwise disparate things that you couldn't connect to everything else that you do. Whether there's anything meaningful to be built out of that or not, nothing's coming to mind at the moment. <laughs> But I do really enjoy that they're now all part of that ecosystem and that 
all those things can talk to each other and you've kind of unlocked those devices that otherwise you know couldn't be part of that kind of smart ecosystem i get the impression this is something you're actually going to be using going forward it's set up it's it's running now Jeez louise yeah i'm looking forward to the first thing that breaks so i can tell you how we fixed it or threw it out because it was a piece of crap you keep buying things for these episodes you know you're not getting paid for this right like we don't we don't have enough sponsors to be buying things with every single episode on the next episode of automation town rubber bands and straws rubber bands and straws <laughs> we show you how to stick popsicle sticks together to solve everyday problems bridge small gaps with popsicle sticks and rubber bands Automation Town is hosted by Chad Davis and Jason Statz and edited by Paul Amara. Share your problems with us on Twitter at Chad Davis. Is it just Chad Davis? Yeah. And J Stats CPA. How do you spell that? Stats S T A T S. It's a palindrome, but it has CPA at the end, so it's not a palindrome. Right. So if we're following along, J S T A A T S C P A. You did say it right. If you're enjoying the pod, please leave Automation Town a review by submitting a note in person at the Automation Town Civic Center or sending a fax to 555 908 8 